Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR Sports Radio 550. If you had a team, would you pick your son or Tim Tebow? Who would you pick? That's a stupid question, but more more important than being stupid on that point was the prior point that you just made about Tom Brady telling the ball boy to put a pin in, in the ball. You have no evidence of that, and if you read any of the articles and discussions that have gone on on this thing for six months, you would know that you are full of crap. If you read the Wells report, which you probably didn't, Wells said that Brady cooperated 100%. The second thing that the Wells report said was, we don't need your phone. If you don't need somebody's phone, what the heck do you care what happens to the phone? So when you say that Brady is a liar, you better be careful, fella, because you don't know what the heck you're talking about. We know Goodell has lied. He lied in the Ray Rice case. He lied in this case. He has lied in the Peterson case. How many times do you need to know that this guy is a flaming liar? Have you ever heard Tom Brady? And when you say the ball boys put the balls under a pin, you better know what you're talking about because the ball boys have already testified that they didn't do that. The fact is that Wills didn't report it in his report. So you can't say what you don't know. Who's believing the NFL? It's a friggin' kangaroo court. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Know the facts. If you're going to be on the radio, know the facts. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i on the radio and I hardly know the facts, but Tom Brady's dad, um, it'll never get old. It will never get old. At least we have one more game of Brady being suspended. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you, I am excited that we're going to get an opportunity here to face off against a Brady-less Patriots team. That's a, like a for sure thing. I think it gives us the best opportunity we'll have to win uh, against the Patriots in a long time. Other than last year when they decided to pull all their starters. Was that two years ago? Pulled all their starters in the last game of the that year. That was two, two years, years ago. ago yeah. Doug Marone's last game as That's the Bills right. coach. That's right, and everybody talked about how we beat the Patriots, and it was like a big deal, but hmm, it really, it really wasn't a big deal. All right, so all of a sudden, I take over on the microphone here from Inside High School Sports, and the sunshine comes out. It was a very gloomy October 1st morning, and then all of a sudden, I look outside, and it's sunshine. I don't know if that's a sign that my voice just brings out the sunshine and the and the daisies, but it's it's October. What daisies are going to grow in the first day of October? Perennials, perennial daisies. I don't know. But the good news is, Brayden, is it's the high holy month of October, the sports high holy month where you have every major American sport either in the best part of it, which is playoffs right now for for baseball. College football and the NFL are really getting into the meat potatoes of their schedules right now. This week, there's three AP top 10 matchups in college football, some tremendous matchups. We'll go, we'll go all over those, the high holy month. And so, as Jeremy White would put it, the elite of the months is October. As I mentioned, baseball playoffs coming up in the next few days here. The meat and potatoes of college and and pro football right now. You've got the NHL starting in a little over a week. The NBA starting in a little bit over a week. 
you you have everything you could possibly want, and I'm sure I'm missing something. Like I'm sure like there's some sort of awesome soccer playoffs going on. Did you I'm, did you mention baseball? I did. Yes. Okay. The high holy month of baseball. I'm excited just to kind of get going with the baseball playoffs here. Uh, although my team, the Royals, are out of it this year, there are some good storylines. But yeah. so who are you going to be rooting for then? No one. No one. Just just gonna actually be... no. That's not true. I'm going to root for the Cubs. Yeah, it's it's about time that the Cubs finally win. Better yet, I'm going to root for a Cubs Red Sox World Series. That would be cool. Because I think that would just be a great story. Line. David Ortiz against the Theo Cubs. Epstein. Yeah, Theo Epstein. That's that's a story. David Ortiz looking to win his last ever World Series in his last ever season. So we assume that he's going to play in his last ever season because everybody is still saying, "Why are you retiring now?" You're right. You have maybe the best season, statistical season of your career. And then and then they're playing but, the Cubs that have been what 108 years now without a World Championship. To me, it's a good time just to call it quits. You're going out on top. You're literally going out on top. You're you're playing. Playing, you know, your success in the sport, you're on top. But what if David one. Ortiz doesn't win the World Series? Let's say he gets there against the Cubs and the Cubs win. Mm. Does David Ortiz then say, screw it, I'm coming back one more year, I'm going to give it a shot, another I think, shot? I think he might be done. I think I think he's settled on it, and that's fine. That's fine. I think Yankees fans are happy about that. We ask Sal about it when he gets on. Did you see the tribute that they put that they did for David Ortiz? I did. I did. That was World very class. nice. Very World nice. Class. And, you know, sometimes Yankees fans get, you know, they get some slack for not being the best of sports. But that was, uh, you're right, it was high class and, uh, and a good for, good for David Ortiz, good for the Yankees as well. But as much as I'd love to sit here and have three hours about baseball, I think we may have some other storylines to talk about. The Buffalo Bills obviously head out to Foxborough. Well, I'm sure they're already there, but they play in Foxborough against the Patriots tomorrow. Jimmy Garoppolo right now, as is expected to play, will get Sale's uh, take on whether or not he thinks that's true or if that might just be a little bit rumor. But obviously, as much as we'd all like to focus on you know tomorrow's matchup and how important this game really is in the grand scheme of things, only four games in, the crazy thing that, I, that Brayton mentioned in the update there is with a win, this Bills team moves one game behind the Patriots in the AFC East standings. They'll be at 3-1. and one, The Bills will be at 2-2. Two and two. And, I'll, and I'll be the first to say, after two weeks, if you would have told me after week four, they'd have the ability to be one game back in the division against the Patriots with still another game in hand, obviously against Tom Brady, but at home. Man, I, I can't tell you that that would have been something I had imagined. But obviously, this game has sort of taken the back seat to the storyline surrounding the game, and that's obviously yesterday with the Bills coming out with news that Sammy Watkins is now going on the IR. They picked up Justin Hunter, a receiver who was on the free agent market, uh, and someone will ask Sale about as well, you know, his thoughts on Justin Hunter. But, you know, this is a difficult situation for Bills fans. I, I think it's a terrible storyline heading into this week. I think what everybody wanted to see was, was Sammy Watkins going to be able to come back and contribute and play in this game you know, he had, didn't have great success against the Patriots in, last year, but, you know, this is obviously your best player. But I think, to me, the storyline now is, you know, who is to blame for this whole Sammy Watkins situation, this, this, this situation that's getting uglier almost by the week. And, and now we come to a situation, we come to a crossroads where is this an organizational 
hiccup in uh, when it comes to injuries, mishandling of injuries. Last year, maybe you can point to Aaron Williams as a mismanagement of injuries. You know, this year, Sammy Watkins, maybe they rushed him out on the field. I don't know. I, this guy's your best player. He wanted to be out in the field. I don't know that you can blame the organization for wanting to have their best player on the field when he said he was ready. So I guess it comes down to, do the doctors feel he's ready? And and that's something that I don't know will as fans or or will ever really know for sure. But I know one guy that probably knows it more than me or anybody else, and that's our Sal Capaccio, who now is on the AT&T hotline. I believe, Sal, you're in, are you in Foxborough or are you still in Buffalo right now? No, I'm still in Buffalo. Okay. We'll, be, we'll be headed out there a little bit later. Cool. So you're going to be headed out to Foxborough. Obviously, I think we all wanted to be talking about the storyline of a potential one-game difference in the you know AFC East with the Bills win, but it gets sidetracked a little bit with the Sammy Watkins news, the unfortunate Sammy Watkins news. I mean, is this something the team may have known for a, for a while that this could be a possibility that shutting him down was ultimately going to be the play here, or is this something that maybe over the past two weeks was it maybe that the guy that stepped on his foot that maybe enhanced this or? Was this something that maybe was in the works for a few weeks here and they just decided to pull the trigger now uh, to potentially get him back in eight weeks? Maybe a mix of all of that, if that's possible. Here's, I think, what really how it went down, Nate, where there was always the possibility if he didn't get you know any better and if they were going to keep doing this dance but i think they were they were okay with doing the dance as long as they were confident that every week you know even if he didn't practice that on sunday he'd get to the point where they could play him and i think it's now to the point where you know it just looks like hey if we're going to have to do this every sunday he's not going to play then we just need to do something with the roster because we got to have players we got to have bodies and we want him to get healthy so you know this is two weeks in a row now where he's not going to play. So I think if he would have played last Sunday and we were here where we are now, probably would not be put on IR. But since he didn't play last week and he was also already ruled out Sunday, now we're at two weeks and you're like, listen, what are we going to do? Keep doing this every week and not play him? And then he doesn't get healthy because we're not doing it the right way? So I think they basically, instead of middling it, which is kind of what they were doing, they said he had to be all in or all out. And right now he's not. he can't be all in because he's not playing, so we have to be all out with that, and we have to put him in IR, and we have to start making roster adjust- adjustments because we got to have players on this field, especially considering you have other wide receivers like Greg Salas who are banged up as well. As far as the foot being stepped on, I don't know how much that enhanced the particular injury to the point of maybe making a difference here. You know, it happened, and it was bad, but he already had an issue. You know, if, if we're talking about him getting stepped on and there was no issue going in, I don't think we're talking about him on injured reserve. You know, I don't think that's the, the reason why that happened, but it certainly didn't help. Um, but I think that they finally just said, we can't middle it anymore. We got to make a decision here. Yeah, and I mean, I, I've been looking into this whole injury. I mean, this is this is a pretty, you know, common injury amongst wide receivers in the NFL. Big night, Big time guys like Des Bryant, you know, Julio Jones all sustained injuries like this. However, Sammy's got that hardware, that that screw that was inserted in the offseason. Is this something maybe they're looking at having another surgery to remove the hardware and to allow it to heal on its own? Or is this something they think they're just going to move forward with and hope that that pain and and, because that's basically what we're dealing with right now. This isn't a re-injury of that foot. What it is, it's the pain and potentially caused from that screw being. I mean, you're talking about a guy whose game is built around, you know, fast twitch movements you know, being able to put a lot of pressure on that foot. Is this something that may be lingering now? And, and maybe you have to worry about doing another surgery to remove the hardware? Like, where are, where are your stance? What are your thoughts on this? And, and have you been told anything about maybe the future of what they're going to do with this foot moving forward? Or is it just a wait and see? Let's hope that this gets better. 
As far as I know, it's going to be, let's hope this thing heals, because it should heal based on everything I've been told. However, there's always the possibility of another surgery, no doubt about that. I think, you know, that is what they're hoping not to happen. That's been what they've hoped not to happen to this point. I've been told consistently since the beginning that this thing's going to heal. It's going to heal eventually on its own, and you don't need the second surgery. But, you know, I think now we're to the point where even though it's going to heal, if he keeps if he keeps doing things on it, he keeps going out there and trying to practice, and he keeps going out there and playing, it'll just take longer to heal. It's going to be more pain for him to deal with. So I think that's where we are now. Of course, it could get to the point where they ultimately say we're going to have the surgery. I mean, they may have already decided that, but as far as I know, what I've been told consistently from the beginning is really this is this thing will heal on its own. Uh, it's just going to take some time, and I, I think you know we're to the point we are now because they figure we need to let that time happen. We need to not put him out on the field or put pressure on him to play, let him heal up before we can really assess where we are with this whole thing and hopefully have him back by, you know, end of November end of November yeah before we get into a little bit about Justin Hunter who the Bills picked up off of free agency yesterday the depth currently on the roster before as I mentioned before we get into Justin Hunter I, I thought that Walter Powell had a pretty good game last week a nice showing um, being in his first real starting role with this team you know do you think right now there's enough depth on this roster at the wide receiver position to overcome this injury for at least eight weeks because that's what we're looking at, at this point a week 12 designation possibly if he's ready at that point to return so does this team have enough depth on the roster to you know withstand this type of injury for at least eight weeks only if they continue to run the ball like they did last week and play good defense I mean they're gonna have to throw the ball at some point they're gonna have to win the game throwing the ball at some point and they're gonna have to have other people step up so um, the short answer is no they don't they do not have that type of wide receiver core to lean on to win games consistently can they win a game here or there uh if they had to you know if it came down to it and it was a fourth quarter situation and you need a couple plays well with Tyrod Taylor the way he runs you know you might be able to hit something like that but they're going to have to run the ball really well. And, and and that's a scary thought because as good as they are, teams are going to, like this week, I think teams like the Patriots are going to try to shut down the running game and make them try to beat them with the passing game. That's why you saw a play for Justin Hunter. I, I still think I would imagine that there are people debating right now whether or not they should go after Josh Gordon. I think that that's a conversation that needs to be had, and there's a lot of different tentacles to that conversation, There's a lot, especially considering the climate we're here in Buffalo with Marcel and what happened with Carlos and things like that. You know, that's a, that's a really different dynamic there here maybe than it is even with other cities right now and other teams in the league. So I don't think that that wide receiver core is good enough to lean on to win games but if you can run the ball effectively and play good defense, then, yeah, I mean, that, that's what's going to have to happen, and they're going to have to, you know, sustain that. And they can't have any more injuries, by the way. You right. know, Greg Salas is already out. You know, Marquise Goodwin has a history of not staying healthy. He's got to stay on the field. Robert Woods is going to have to stay on the field. He was hurt a lot of last year. Charles Clay, he's banged up. I still don't know where this stuff is coming from that they keep saying, ESPN keeps saying he's out tomorrow, but maybe he is, but he was not. He was questionable, and I saw him. Uh, out there catching balls from the jugs machine after practice yesterday with a helmet on. It didn't look like he was, um, you know, n- get, not playing, but I don't know. So we'll see where that goes. But he's got to be a part of this. So you got to have all hands on deck, and you got to run the ball. You have very, very, very little margin for error now if you're not going to have Sammy Watkins uh, out there for eight weeks. And, you know, I guess my next question, Sal, is, is I think Rex is always going to be that guy, and 
people don't like this about him. I actually personally do like this about him, and I think that's what players like about him is no one's really, and before this whole Sammy Watkins news came out, is no one's really been talking about the matchups in this game. No one's been talking about the players. It's been this whole Rex Ryan you know, prank call thing, and he's taking the pressure away from maybe the most pressure-packed game of the season, I mean, obviously thus far, but maybe moving forward, if you can't beat this Patriots team with Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett at quarterback, I don't see it being a viable option to beat them when Tom Brady's back, you know, in a couple weeks here. So I I guess my thought is, does this Sammy Watkins, has there been almost, I mean, I don't, we, it's going to be hard to say this because Rex hasn't done an interview since the news that the IR move is what they're going to be doing, but do you see this as maybe putting some more pressure on this organization, especially a guy like Doug Whaley or Rex Ryan here moving forward? Because obviously this isn't going to be a recipe for them to be the most successful. You know, I'm sure they weren't going into the season thinking, hey, we're not going to have our best player, Sammy Watkins, for an eight-week span here. So does this put some additional pressure maybe on Rex Ryan? Is that something that he's going to be maybe wearing on his sleeve moving forward? I mean, obviously, like I said, he's a guy that doesn't really ever show weakness. He's a guy that's always going to be upbeat about his team no matter what. But I guess my question here, Sal, is does this put additional pressure on Rex Ryan and Doug Whaley to perform in these next few weeks or their team to perform anyways? I think it's the opposite with Rex. With all the injuries, I think you could say that Rex could have a built-in excuse, right? Whether that's fair or not, or people want to hear that or not. You know, you talk about Shaq Lawson, Reggie Ragland, now Sammy Watkins, three guys, three of your, whether or not, you know, Ragland or Lawson would be part of your best players. They were certainly big-time contributors expected to be, and they would be amongst your best players considering they'd be starters and putting up, you know, numbers you would hope, especially Ragland on defense, and then uh, Sammy on offense, and I think that at least, you know, if you're if you're Rex Ryan, you now have, hey, you know, I don't have all my horses. If I go, if I have seven or eight wins, look what I did without these guys on the field, you know, assuming that they didn't come back or something like that. So, but yeah, I mean, and, and I'm, by the way, there's people who think that that's ridiculous and that shouldn't happen, and I, I get that. I'm just telling you that I think that at least he could go to that card if, if there was more amped up pressure or putting on the quote-unquote hot seat. I do think it does for Doug Whaley, though, because now we're in year three of Sammy Watkins, and he has yet to really stay healthy, and he paid dearly to get Sammy Watkins here in a draft that was loaded with wide receivers. And people keep looking at that draft and saying, you could have stayed where you were. Now, look, it's been well documented. I've said it many times. Uh, Jeremy said it. We all. Uh, it's true. When I tell people, if, they, if it got to the Bills and they hadn't, hadn't made that move and Sammy was gone, they would have drafted Eric Ebron. So we can talk all about how they could have had this receiver or that receiver. They wouldn't have drafted him. But still, they could have had those receivers. They stayed where they didn't stay where they were. They gave up the extra pick. So I do think that, you know, it does put a little more onus on Doug Whaley. Now, that's not Doug Whaley's fault that Sammy Watkins got hurt. He did not have an injury history in college. Let's remember that. It wasn't like he picked a guy that, you know, was going out there at Clemson and missing games left and right. You could say what you want about Shaq Lawson. He had an injury coming in. The team probably knew about that, despite what they said. But Sammy Watkins had no injury history. He they he was consensus the best wide receiver in that draft, even though there were some really good wide receivers. Pretty much everybody said that's the best wide receiver. That's the most talented guy. He paid to go up and get him. He's hurt now. So it's not his fault, but I think there is, to your question, more pressure on Doug Whaley. He's got to be feeling that because he can't seem to get his first-round pick on the field, who he paid a high price for to help out his passing game, which right now is suffering. All right, we've got Sal Capaccio here on the AT&T Hotline. Sal, let's switch gears a little bit here. We're going to stick with football. 
but a big week for you last week. And, you know, I've got to let you tell the people how well you did last week. Well, I was 3-0 and last week. I gave you winners. I gave you the Browns, the Rams, and the Redskins all plus points. And guess what? Two of those teams actually won their game on the field, right? Because uh, right. The, Rams, the Rams wound up beating the Buccaneers late. Uh, did that actually? Did that wind up happening? Wait, that was the, the late game. There, thirty-seven, thirty-two was yep. the final. There you go. The Redskins obviously beat the Giants, and the Browns covered their spread. So again, these are only underdogs. I give you three underdogs against the spread each week. I was one and two week one, three and zero oh last week for a record of four and two headed into today. Let's start off, Nate. I'm going to go. The Atlanta Falcons at home Ooh. are getting three points over the Carolina Panthers. Atlanta is averaging 34 points a game this year. They can score. They are red hot. They know how to play offense. Obviously, Carolina, the defending NFC champions, but right now they just simply can't find their rhythm yet. They are banged up at running back as well. So right now, Atlanta, Carolina, I think, is going to have to try to keep this a lower-scoring game. They do have a very good defense, but it's tough to keep Atlanta off the scoreboard, and you're giving me a home dog here in this situation with a team that really can score points. I'm going to take those three points. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons. Second week in a row, I'm going to go with those L.A. Rams. They're getting eight and a half, and they're going to Arizona. Now, I know Arizona, they're still a loaded team. They're still really, really talented. But look what they did in Buffalo last week. Look how they're built. I've been saying it all week. How did the Bills beat them? The Bills ran downhill against them. They are a team built on speed. They're a team built from the outside in. What does L.A. do well? They have Todd Gurley. They're not a team that's going to go throwing the ball all over the place. They're going to try and pound it. They're going to try and play defense. They have a great front seven. And by the way, Arizona, Carson Palmer and that offense just can't find their, themselves right now. Speaking of that, right, just like I said with Carolina, they can't find themselves on offense right now. They're struggling right there. And I'll give you a stat, a good stat. We all know Jeff Fisher is the king of 7-9, and 8-8, nine, eight and eight or 9-7. and seven, But... Not as an underdog against the spread. As an underdog against the spread, Nate, in his career, Jeff Fisher, 101 and 71. Wow. 30 games over 500. All right, the last game I'm going to give you. Going Monday night, you're going to give me four and a half with the Giants at Minnesota on Monday night. A Minnesota team that may be undefeated, but let's face it, they're winning with great defense. They're scoring on defense every week. And they're trying to run the ball, even though they don't really have a they don't back. have Adrian yeah. Peterson right now. You know, they have Stephon Diggs. I know that didn't really have a great week last week, but this is a team that's pr- trying to play a balanced football game but really rely on their defense, Minnesota. And the Giants, they can play a low-scoring game. They can play a higher-scoring game. They're kind of a team that can morph a little bit depending on what the situation calls for. But if this is going to be a low-scoring game, which I think it is, and you're giving me four and a half. Think about that number. I mean, that's yeah. a that's a big number. You win a 2017 game. You know, I still win that with the spread. I'm going to get an extra point and a half even in that situation. Low scoring. You're giving me four and a half. I'm taking the Giants on the road at Minnesota on Monday night. Minnesota may win, but they're only going to do it by two or three points. So to recap, Falcons plus three over Panthers. Rams plus eight and a half over Cardinals. Giants plus four and a half over Vikings. You know, Sal, I think I want to know what, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with the G-Man show that they play every Saturday morning here <laughs> from 9 to 10 before Inside High School Sports. My question is, when are they going to have you on to start picking some of these underdogs? I guess after I invest like $25,000 on one phone call with them, right? <laughs> then they're going to start calling me like like Joe in Buffalo. Or there's like a guy that's actually moved out to Vegas that's Just from because Buffalo. Of this, I don't yeah. know. Just because. Uh, I, I think I need a few more 3-0 weeks to have that happen. Let's hope we don't uh, Let's hope we don't go the other way this week. I don't think so, though. I like these uh, Atlanta, L.A., the Giants. But after a 3-0 week last week, 4-2 and overall, we'll roll with this this week. We'll see where we are. Yeah, that Jeff Fisher stat was actually pretty surprising stat. 
thinking Amazing. of how much 500 he's been over the course of his career. So I, what I wonder then is what his record is when he's the yes. favorite. He's the favorite. It can't be very good, right? <laughs> it can't be a good record if he's that good against – oh, man, that is that is some good stuff. All right, Sal, thanks so much for coming on and, uh, and giving us your picks today and talking some bills. Um, you know, have a good trip. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you halftime tomorrow. Yep, we'll talk to you tomorrow, and uh, have a great show, my man, and we'll talk to everybody tomorrow on the broadcast and, of course, uh, pregame a little bit. Sounds good. All right, Sal Capaccio there on the AT&T hotline. Uh, Next, we will have Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report. So we are just going from grade A football knowledge to grade A football knowledge. So you're welcome for, uh, for booking some solid, some solid Saturday morning, October 1st guests this morning. So as I said, up next, Tyler Dunn. We'll get his opinions now on the Sammy, the loss of Sammy Watkins, and maybe how this, maybe how this injury affects the critique of Tyrod Taylor moving forward this season. Does this make things more difficult for this organization to decide whether or not this quarterback is worth all the money that they potentially have invested in him next season? So up next, Tyler Dunn from Bleacher Report. Then later on, we'll get into a little bit of hockey because it is hockey season and the Sabres got blown the heck out yesterday. But we're not going to talk about the game so much. But what happened after the game, which is a couple of players got moved down to Rochester. So we'll talk a little bit about that later. Brian Koziel, the Sabres intermission and postgame show um, host. He'll be on with us. He'll talk a little Ryder Cup as well. So we've got a full docket coming on today on the show. 803-0551-888-552-550. We're going to take your calls, get your opinions. We'll take your tweets at WGR or at WGR550. This is Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary. You're listening to WGR. If we thought he could go, obviously we'd play him, regardless if he practice or not. But right now we don't feel good enough. He doesn't feel good enough to play. All right, you've got Rex Ryan there coming off the break, talking about Sammy Watkins. Obviously the, uh, the news of the day, the news of the weekend here, Sammy Watkins. Uh, placed on IR yesterday with uh, a designation to return after eight weeks, which would be at this point... Week 12, which I believe is the Jacksonville Jaguars. So obviously not good news for Bills fans, really for anyone who follows the Bills, the Bills organization, anyone involved. It's obviously bad news when you've got to put potentially your best football player, all-around player on IR, especially when they've had such a difficult time featuring him in this offense. And, and, and now you have you know another hurdle to kind of come over here. Um, going into his fourth year next year, he will have missed 17, at least, 17 games over the first three years of his career. It's not something that you wanted to see um, if you're a Bills fan or if you're Doug Whaley who you know spent a lot of money and a lot of draft picks to go up and get him. But furthermore, let's, uh, let's get Tyler Dunn on here on the AT&T hotline. Uh, Tyler, what's going on this morning, man? Hey, not, not too much, man. Just driving to uh, the Vikings practice right now. I guess uh, a little different mood, a little different tenor out here yeah. in Minneapolis. Yeah, they've seemed to get over injuries quite well. That team. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're. I'm gonna. I'm not. I want to brag or like pat myself on the back, but I drafted the Vikings defense in like the sixth or seventh round of my draft. I just had this inkling, oh. and they've been my best fantasy asset on my entire team. Oh my god! I mean, they're scoring touchdowns every week. I mean, they had their starting quarterback go down, a Hall of Fame running back go down. And they're just so loaded on defense, like it, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, I mean, their defense is almost outscoring their offense at this point. 
And it, it, it is, it's just the Mike Zimmer effect, and you really get to see how great of a coach. But I think the Minnesota is a good example of when you have a really good coach that that might be the difference between losing some of your best players, but you have that coach who's put guys in the position, and they develop their talent. They don't just throw them out there. They make them work yeah. for it. And, I mean, Treadwell's a good example of that, too. Hasn't really seen the field yet for Minnesota. That's a great point. I mean, they've drafted so well, too. I mean, it comes down to scouting. It comes down to just drafting the right players. And look at the guys that accumulated on defense. Harrison Smith, Anthony Barr. I'm sure Floyd isn't even on the field right now. Everson Griffin developed over a long period of time. They're just loaded everywhere. You look, Eric Hendricks, Trey Wayne, Terrence Newman's 38 years old. He's still producing a cornerback. Such a mix of veterans and youth and, and depth. And it's just tough when you look at the Bills, and they have an injury or two. It's like they have to reach into the scrap heap sometimes for veterans that other teams just kind of cut loose and don't want anymore. All right, well, let's continue depressing all these Bills fans here. Yeah, right. All right, they did so win last week. They so did. That's good. They did. And, you know, there's a there's certainly an opportunity with Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett, whoever's going to be playing quarterback this week for the Patriots. There's going to be an opportunity for this Bills defense if they can kind of, re, you know, replace the guys that they've had to replace on offense. But just kind of emulate the performance they had last week, which I thought they went up against a better Arizona offense than we're going to see this week in New England. So, you know, maybe there's something to build off there. Yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely more pressure on Buffalo's defense to to bring it now. I mean, they're they're going to have to without Sandy Watkins out there offensively. You just wonder where the production's going to come from, where's the firepower going to come from. They're going to need this defense, this Rex Ryan defense, to, to really turn the ball over, um, get three and outs, and, and they're doing it with the Lorenzo Alexanders of the world, the Zach Browns of the world. Um, they got injuries on that side of the ball as well. So I just think when you add it all up. It's, this is why they hired Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan, if he's a defensive mastermind, if he's a guru, if he's a guy who's led so many top defenses, as he likes to remind us, man, <laughs> but this is his opportunity to shine because they're going to have to win on that side of the ball. You know, you bring up a good name, and it's Zach Brown, and I would probably, I'd probably peg 85% of Bills fans being completely down on this defense after Reggie Ragland went down with injury, just assuming Ragland was going to be your first and second down linebacker, having Zach Brown come in on third down just to kind of clean up in the pass game. Mm-hmm. But has it been a surprise to you maybe that I think Zach Brown's potentially been their best linebacker but leads the team in tackles? Not only that, but you could look around the league and say, this guy's been playing good enough where you can look around the league and say, this this guy might be like a top five, top ten inside guy right now in the league. Really surprised. I mean, when you talk about that group of players that the Bills just kind of signed at the 11th hour, um, you know, later in free agency, and they didn't have a lot of money to go out there and make a big splash, so they had to settle for the Zach Browns, and you kind of figured, all right, this is a guy that didn't really you know, excel in Tennessee, just kind of ran around, not really good versus the run. Um, he's definitely held up his end of the bargain. He hasn't been a soft spot. If anything, he's been an asset. So uh, for, for Buffalo to get something and anything out of a player like that, it's it's a bonus because, man, they were very, very jacked up about Reggie Ragland. Everybody I talked to, whether it was in the front office, um, the players, like he was just lighting it up on the practice field and, and behind the scenes. They thought that this guy was going to be a stud right from the get-go. To not have him out there was a huge blow. So they're able to get by. I've got Tyler Dunn here from Bleacher Report on the AT&T Hotline. You can see him on Twitter. He's at Ty Dunn. Tyler, let's head into what I think we all knew we had to talk about today, and that's the Sammy Watkins injury. But I'm going to come at it from a little different angle than I just had asked Sal earlier. 
to you, what does this loss of Sammy Watkins, potentially for the season, at least for eight weeks here, maybe do for this organization's ability to critique Tyrod Taylor this season and decide whether or not he is worth that investment next year when they've got to pay him in all $27 million with bonuses and everything like that, how much does this affect their ability to make a sound, good, organizational football decision on Tyrod Taylor next year if he doesn't have his best weapon at his disposal? You know, I think you're going to learn a lot about Tyrod Taylor. I mean, granted, he was at his best in the passing game, chucking it up to Sammy. I mean, that's what he does best. He can throw a beautiful deep ball. But now you don't have him, you're going to need Tyrod Taylor to throw over the middle of the field more. The fact that Charles Clay was just totally non-existent last week, I mean, that just can't happen. Uh, you're, you're going to need him to use his legs, and you're going to have to take that risk of him being a weapon on the run with that 4-4 speed without Sammy Watkins. You're just going to need Tyrod Taylor to get a lot more creative and do a lot more different things. And, and now that Sammy Watkins isn't out there, I think you learn a lot about Tyrod Taylor uh, and all those facets and then you can make that decision on if he is your long-term answer so uh, they need him to be a playmaker he just can't be this caretaker you know carefully making the right decisions and going through the motions they need him to really take charge and and, and be a playmaker if they're going to contend at all this year so I guess my next question then is for you what's more concerning is it Sammy Watkins having these reoccurring you know injuries whether it's a foot or the ribs his rookie year as Sale texted me and reminded me, he played in all 16 games his rookie year. So maybe the idea that this guy is super injury-prone injury is overplayed. And, and maybe it is, but maybe it's just because he's always got a nick or a ding and there's always that shadow of a doubt that he might miss a game or that he's not at 100%. That's why he's not you know doing what we would expect him to do when they drafted him. But you know, are you more concerned about that aspect, that he seems to have this, you know, situation where he's getting hurt all the time or is it maybe the teams in the organizational uh, you know handling of not only Sammy Watkins injuries but a couple other injuries guys like you know Aaron yeah. Williams maybe they rushed back last year to have that pretty scary neck injury you know and almost end his career and then you know you have obviously this year you can't say much about Reggie Ragland that was a freak incident but the Shaq Lawson thing I, I think that potentially they played that wrong. I mean, they yeah. they kind of they didn't hide it, so to speak, but they definitely weren't fully transparent about what what, what they were expecting from him coming in. And if you would have said to Bills fans, you're going to waste. I mean, I don't want to say waste because he hasn't played a game yet, but use a, a high first round pick and a guy that wasn't going to help you until week eight. You know, I think Bills fans probably would have got a little itchy about that, and they probably wouldn't have liked that very much. So, you know, what's more of concerning here? Is it the injury or is it the organization's handling of injuries so far? Man, it's definitely a problem for the Bills. I mean, this is an injury that right right when we broke that story on Sammy Watkins and the folks that I talked to that knew about this injury, obviously it's the small bone in the foot. Um, Sammy downplayed it immediately. He took to Twitter, he took photos of his foot. He said, I'm ashy, but I'm good. Well, that's great. But there's also Julio Jones, Des Bryant, Kevin Durant, Julian Edelman, Michael Crabtree. Go right down the list. Everybody who's dealt with... The, the Jones fracture, is, that's what it sounds like it was. They tried to rush back. It might have happened during the season. And then it backfired. They, they had to miss more time. So it seemed like the Bills maybe kind of had that silver lining that it was the off season. They could really take it slow and really nurse him back. 
But he was out there in training camp. He was out there week one, and then bam, he has the setback, and and that was the pain tolerance issue. And, and who knows if he even gives him anything this year? So, yeah, I, I don't know. Part of it probably is Sammy Watkins. He's had about seven or eight injuries. I know he's played through some, but this has had a ton of injuries, and you do start to wonder. You know, like there's a lot of players around the league. Look at Robert Griffin the third. I mean, he's had a ton of injuries that you are injury prone and I think you can ask that question with Sammy Watkins is this just the way he's built and then you can ask the questions about the Bills should they have been a lot more cautious with one of their best talents however you slice it it's not a good look and and look personnel wise they drafted a wide receiver well that wide receiver Colby Liston he's not on the field either they they let a guy in Chris Hogan go to New England and he'll have a chance to, to take it to his former team there's just not a lot of options out there, and they're going to have to run the ball probably 30, 35 times. They're going to have to play great defense, and then maybe just take a shot or two with Marquise Goodwin when that presents itself. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am not looking forward to doing post game if Chris Hogan has like some sort of hundred yard receiving game and just torches a Bills secondary. The hot takes that I will be taking on the phone will be almost unbearable. I'll assume at this point. <laughs> If that is to happen. So I'm really hoping um, for almost like any. I, I would rather have Gronk have four touchdowns yeah. than to see any sort of big game from Chris Hogan. So I'm hoping <laughs> I have my fingers crossed for that one. The, the thing with Chris Hogan, though, I mean, he is tailor made for that New England offense. He would have, in, in Buffalo's offense, he just, you know, he, he's so great. He's such a great route runner. He can run the option route, you know, at the top of this route. He knows whether to turn left, turn right. He's on the same page as his quarterback. I mean, he can go deep. I mean, he, we know even though he's a white wide receiver that he can burn you deep. And he's just, you know, he's a lot better pass catcher than the Bills offense allowed him to be. So good for him to go to an offense that suits his skills. And, hey, you know, now he probably will have a big day. Yeah, I, again, I, I like Chris Hogan a lot. And I think you're right, too. I think there's no way he has the success staying in Buffalo that he would have yeah. going to New England. I just don't – it's just two different offenses. You, you see a Bills offense that had 119 yards through the air last week, for God's sakes. That he's going to have right. opportunities that he just didn't have in Buffalo. There's no two ways about that. And, and how many times have we really seen Tyrod Taylor throw a back shoulder throw? You know, a, a good timing route, yeah. in rhythm type of throw to a receiver, uh, such a staple on the best offenses in the league. You just, you just don't see it. So – I don't know if you magically just find a passing game without Sammy Watkins at this point. They're going to need the Sean McCoy to be an absolute stud the rest of the way. They're going to need Mike Gillisley to get involved, Reggie Bush, Charles Clay a little bit more over the middle. They just got to get creative. And, man, Anthony Lynn, oh, boy, no pressure, man. First first job as an offensive coordinator. He's really got to devise and get creative in there. Man, Reggie Bush, who's that guy? Um <laughs> So, right, right. So the Bills pick up Justin Hunter. Uh, you know, I, I known, I've known him a little bit watching him play at Tennessee. Um, this has always, to me, been a guy of maybe what should be opposed to what really is with him talent-wise and production-wise. Gets cut from Tennessee, doesn't really catch on in a training camp. What are your thoughts about Justin Hunter? Is this a guy maybe that could be one of those guys that's a diamond in the rough, just hasn't had the right coaches develop him? And, you know, is this someone that we can maybe see contribute and stick on, even if Sammy Watkins is able to come back at some point? Um, you know, obviously with that roster spot, they'd have to cut somebody else somewhere else here. But, you know, is this a guy maybe that is a, you know, diamond in the rough pickup here for, uh, for the Bills? Yeah, maybe, you know, coming out of the draft, 
I know a lot of scouts liked him. I mean, they liked him more than the Cordell Pattersons of the world and, and thought he was a little bit more NFL ready with just what he can do running routes and, and losing corners down the field, going over the middle and going deep. But you're right, you just kind of alluded to it. Why hasn't it clicked yet? I mean, you see little spurts here and there, a big play here and there. You know, you might pick him up on your fantasy team after he goes for 100 yards, and then he just kind of disappears. So there's usually a reason that these players are available in late September, this this point of the game. So you, you do have to be a little skeptical. It's going to have an opportunity, though, with, with all the injuries Buffalo has. They'll be able to throw them right out there. It's, it's just tough because how often did we hear last year with, with the Bills and their skill position players, them talking about timing and chemistry and the fact that they didn't have reps during training camp to really get that down. And it's kind of the same issue, and they don't even have a lot of those players out there now. now. So I don't know if you can just magically – figure out a passing game, signing a guy this late in the game. You know, one name we haven't even brought up yet, Robert Woods. Uh, contract year, a chance for him to really showcase himself. He's your number one receiver. They need Robert Woods to, to really take a step now. That's a great point. All right, Tyler, Any anything you want to preview for the people, your next piece coming up on Bleacher Report? I know you said you're in Minnesota. Uh, so what can we expect in the week or so here, uh, you know, coming from you? Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Monday we'll have a story on the Vikings, you know, just – want to learn a little bit more about this defense that made Aaron Rodgers and, and Cam Newton just look like lost, confused rookies out there. So a lot of personality has been hanging out with them this week. Uh, that, that should drop Monday. Uh, they, they put the Giants on Monday night. And then uh, later next week we'll have something on Chip Kelly. So Ooh. tried to get in his mad, mad world a little bit, which was uh, quite interesting, to say the least. Nice. You know, I actually saw a stat that the Vikings are the first team to face two former MVPs in back-to-back weeks and win. And I thought that was a very interesting stat. I think they're either the first or the second, and then the other team was like in 1960-something before like the merger. So, yeah, that's uh, that should be an interesting thing. So uh, so for all my listeners out there, make sure you, you, you hop on Bleacher Report next week. Take a look at that because I know that will be an interesting read. Tyler, thank you for hopping on with me this morning. I appreciate you taking some time. I know you're out in, uh, out in soda. So uh, if you see Matthew Collar out there on the sidelines, let him know we all said hi and, uh, and good luck and everything. But uh, for you, yeah, yeah keep, uh, keep on keeping on, man. We'll, uh, I know I'll be reading everything you, you, you put out. So I uh, appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll do it again soon. All right, man? Hey, absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, Tyler Dunn there from Bleacher Report. Uh, you can follow Tyler at Ty Dunn on Twitter. Uh, great, great stuff that he's been putting out on Bleacher Report thus far, so continue on that um, and, and make sure you're reading what Tyler's got to put out. Okay, up next, we will continue on talking. I want to start taking your calls. I had a busy first hour there, so apologies on that, but this is for you people. I, I, you know, It's October 1st. I had to get the right people in here to uh, to not only preview this week in uh, New England coming up, but everything that's kind of happened over the past day or so. So I wanted to get some uh, some good minds in here, and I thought I did that so far this morning. So next, I want your calls, 803-0551, 888 I've got a lot of stuff on Twitter I've got to go through, a lot of reaction to my post earlier. Who to, Who is really... What's the more concerning factor here in the Sammy Watkins injury? Is it the team's mismanagement of the injury, or is it Sammy's inability to stay healthy? So we'll take your calls on that next. This is Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary. This is WGR. Injuries are part of the game, 100%. You're going to get hurt. So, I mean, it's just it's part of the game. you got to make situational changes and uh, got to step up and make plays. You know, we missed some guys before. We missed Sammy before, and uh, other guys, you know, just got to step up and make plays. 
All right, Bills receiver Robert Woods there, obviously talking about the injury to Sammy Watkins, what that unit, especially the wide receiving group there, will have to do uh, to, uh, you know, overcome one of the uh, more difficult guys to uh, to replace on this roster. Um, so a difficult one there. So uh, we had a jam-packed first hour. Didn't get to a lot of phone calls, so if you called in, my apologies. Let's get to you in the second hour. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of Justin Hunter. I want to kind of go over his career stats, uh, maybe what this guy can bring to this roster. But I also want to hear from you. Do you Are you you know, wanting this team to explore some other options that are maybe still available in the free agent market. Is Josh Gordon a guy that maybe you uh, or, or your friends are talking about maybe the Bills should go and get? I want to hear your case. I want to hear, you know, is this a team that maybe should go kick the tires on a veteran like like Roddy White? Is this panic mode at the receiver position, or is it a stand pat? Let's see if guys like Robert Woods, let's see if guys like Greg Sales, if he can get back on the field. But more importantly, a guy like Walt Powell, can he step up and be a guy, an important part to this team? you know moving forward in the next couple weeks here then next hour we're going to switch gears right at around the halfway point we'll get into the high holy month uh we'll preview some of these sporting events coming up in the next weeks or so obviously with baseball and we've got the Ryder cup going on today um that closes off this weekend excuse me so we'll have brian coziel he'll join us at the 130 mark he will uh preview and go through the rest of the Ryder cup with us and we'll also ask him a few things on some of this uh the roster movement of the sabers and we'll get into that in the one o'clock hour too so we still got a lot to go through here and not a lot of time so two hours here i want to hear your calls i want to see your tweets uh we'll also take your text messages as well 803 0551-888-552-550. This is Sports Talk Saturday. I'm Nate Geary. Brayton Wilson on the board doing updates here. You're listening to WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.